1: doch leit in jo ni han ni da ha alam no tog jo in na ba asoi mesha was ha fei wi ga was wa ra tu kin va amach was ba ha ro voi smele me samolish koisi gi sing ban ni mi mi na von nei a rei ba is fu mi nei ma ta mi bim ma so I'm <laughs> do The whole of the show, the same, the whole of the show, the whole of the show, the whole I am not going to be able to do to I Solim, oh I know the al So say, say,
2: say,
1: You'll not be wrong, you say, I'm rich, my house. of V'is Rach, v'is Tamar, v'is Boar, v'is Raiman, v'is Nasay, v'is Adol, v'is Ale, v'is Alol, Shmei Kudeshaberichu. Le'ya'elam in Kol Berachosu, Shiroso, Tush Berachosu ve'nechemosu, Damirah be'Yale. I am so Ha che borro eloi Hashem, me lasoi boru khatu ha cheme eloi che no Kayla, who is shameful. Amen, yah, yah, mo, for yah, for no, 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 Oj, mnie, męka Shame
0: J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning on this November the 8th, the fifth day in the month of Kislev, some great material off of L'Chaim Tish, volume number 5. That is an unbelievable collection of Erev Shabbos selections, or as some people call them, Shabbos selections. Uh, Before (laughs) before that, Shabbos with Shlomo Simcha, you heard part of the uh, Friday night service, Zamiro's All-Star CD with Baruch Kel Elyon, and you heard Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayetze, candlelighting time, 4.27. Wow! Did you hear what I said? <laughs> 4.27 is candlelighting time. What time is sunset tonight? Let me just check this out. Sunset in New York City is 444 so i guess if we would go strictly by that it would be uh what it would be 26 right 426 oh so it's really i gotta be careful here i gotta be careful we're gonna use this time we're gonna use the 424 we have a calendar here that actually says 424 i'm gonna go with that one especially today we don't want people god forbid being late today uh, those 18 minutes will creep up really quickly. So we're calling candlelighting time at 424 officially on this Erev of Shabbos. 424 candlelighting time on this Erev of Shabbos. Want to wish a mazel tov to those who are completing Mesechus skullin in the Daf Yomi one page per day category. And a, um, a mazel tov to them and a good luck, a Hatzlach to those who are beginning Maseches Yoma, which I I believe is what Sunday. Let me check this out here. Shkullim ends on Shabbos. Mazal tov. Yes, Maseches Yoma begins this coming Sunday. So to all those who continue or are just going to start now to get into the one page per day cycle, we say Mazal tov from all of us here at J M and the Monday is Veterans Day. Robert's going to be in this chair on Monday. I thank him in advance. I am planning on being back here on Tuesday morning. 40 degrees, partly cloudy, high temperature 51, mostly clear for tonight, low 35, mostly cloudy tomorrow, high temperature 50 degrees. Right now we're at 81 in uh, Yerushalayim, 77 in Tel Aviv, 77 in Haifa, and 90 degrees in lot. 40 here in Jersey City as we say good morning on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos, J.M. in the A.M. Uh, so Monday is Veterans Day, we mentioned that. Coming up later today, Malcolm Homeline joins us about an hour from now in the 7 o'clock hour with the weekly update. Make sure to be tuned in from anywhere around the world to hear what Malcolm has to say about the current events that I toss his way. Rabbi Yudin at 8.15, Naomi Nachman at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on our stream at jmnam.org. The Aussie Gourmet has got some, uh, has got some incredible things to tell us. That'll be between nine and ten. Ten o'clock this morning, the Arif Shabbos music mix begins, and I have a message for Jay Booksbaum. I <laughs> I'm I'm at Leo last night on West Englewood Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. And the word is that Jay has been um Jay has been uh trash talking us for liking sweet wines and going for the stuff that some people, you know, Claim is soda as opposed to wine. That's the word on the street. I think Jay was kidding, folks. Don't worry. I'm just joking around. Uh, so I wanted Jay to know that I uh, went into Leo last night on West Englewood Avenue and in Teaneck, New Jersey, and uh, purchased a nice supply of orange muscat, which I will continue. Like I said to him during Sukkis on the air, I will continue to enjoy. And uh, hopefully, at least according to Jay, I'll graduate to something uh, different as the years go by. But anyway, uh, so the uh, t- starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, all the way until candlelighting time, no better way to prepare for Shabbos than with our friends at Kedem and the Arab Shabbos music mix. So make sure you're tuned into that. JM and AM Friday at 19, uh, 21 minutes before 7 o'clock as we continue at 91.1 FM. 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Or Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. And around the world and the web.
3: It's JM and the AM.org. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Seyshes ya Maya ya 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 zen khub amika ya min iboy shavas roy la min zen khub amika ya min iboy shavas roy la min reyshaynul mikro limikro ekoydes yoim shavas yoim shavas koydes shavas koydes the Eino Yikadesh, the Eino Lechem Yitzhu, Yitzhu Semimim, Ayah, Yah, 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 Echo ha-shmanim takim she takim Ki k'oyitem le-chol begelil veikim boj boj-de-veikim. ge chukim le chukim ve-togim, <laughs> <laughs> I and I am. I I am min man who is a man who is a man who is a min who is a man who is a man who is a doy who is a man who is Ha'alai, ha'alai, qa alay sahamin
1: May deep heart my Mahayim eretzve Yamim Call to Moreim Devoim Veramim Hamin Yadon Sri Mim Kibek for Yom Oh Ashedib Shamay, the Kadishai, me ye by yo yat say soi, Shabos coydej, yo y mujembosai, Yvay Shabos, Kemikal, me We be mean, Shabos, Kay Yahlin, yiso. Yoch i i schlejah me toch, The schlo jo hamusch bar moi Halkein oí na halle a bhfuil a fhínil in mharil a níl. Encaidh sé cas é. Túr mise lóigh albanu, ba be Every day be shame, the end is <laughs>
0: I know that uh Avrami Weisberger is definitely a very happy man right now after three bitseed Schenker selections in a row. Oh actually yeah, three. I was going to say four, but it was three. Menucha ve Tzor you did Nefesh, Uh all from the uh, great Ben Schenker from the Oh no, I'm, I'm I'm misidentifying the songs. It was it was it was two songs. Right? Menucha ve Tzor I believe that's what it was. Uh, and we opened with Prok. Okay, so it was three. We opened with Prok. There you go. Yeah, Rummy's going to be very happy that I could tell you. Absolutely loves the Mudget selections that we put on JM in the AM. Friday morning broadcast on this era of Shabbos Parsha's Vyatze. We had Schwebel, Sharf, and Levine with Sur Michalo, We had Yomzeh from the cast of Around the Shabbos Table. Uh Candlelighting at 424. Cannot emphasize it enough. There are a lot of folks out there who don't realize how early Shabbos begins. And because we went to standard time this past Sunday morning, Shabbat will start at four twenty-four. So when it hits, I don't know, one one thirty, start uh, you know, start thinking about uh, heading home for Shabbos, everybody. Well, obviously, you know, depending on where you are and where you're going and where you live and all that stuff. Monday's Veterans Day. Robert Katz will be in this chair here at JM in the AM. Partly cloudy with a high temperature of 51. Clear skies for tonight, low 35. Mostly cloudy for tomorrow, a high temperature of 50. Pretty good weather for Shabbos. Right now we're at 81 in Yerushalayim, 77 in both Tel Aviv and Haifa. A lot at 90.1 degrees. Here we're at uh, 40 in Jersey City as we say good morning at J.M. and the A.M. Coming up later this morning, right after 9 o'clock this morning, Naomi Nachman with... with, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of the CD around the Shabbos table. Uh, Naomi Nachma with Table for Two. Uh, she's going to be presenting her program between nine and ten. Then an amazing day on our stream at jmnam.org. Uh, we call it the Arab Shabbos music mix and it just dominates everybody's day every single Friday. It's just incredible. If you don't know, uh, if you don't know what the, um, What the feeling is like going into Shabbos with that Arab Shabbos music mix in the background—you're missing something. Today on Table for Two, starting at nine o'clock, um, and Naomi—well, actually Naomi will be on between nine and ten—and then, as I said, the uh, music mix. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard not Listen to sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at ninety-one point nine on the FM dial. Around the world in the web, jmnam.org. <laughs> Galitzal in the background, news from Israel coming up. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. We'll do the weekly update in the 7 o'clock hour, about 7.40 this morning. I'll toss some current event issues Malcolm's way, and we'll see what he does with them. Should be very interesting. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. Poker Tov from Amp.
4: גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כאן קרמיט ראובן, עם מה שקורה עכשיו. חשש בישראל מפני השלכות, ההסדר המתגבש בשעה בין המערב לאיראן... I have members of with the with the Iranians. We are working very hard, and as we said last
0: night, we are making progress.
4: I reminded him that he said that no deal is <laughs> better than a bad deal and the deal
1: that is <laughs> being discussed in Geneva right now is a bad deal
4: it's a very bad deal. Izgarty to Kerry that he said that he believes that it is not an iska, but rather that it is an iska Raa, and that an iska that is לפי סקר שערך ייחוד האירופי, 66% מהנשאלים רואים באנטישמיות בעיה ממשית. שלושה מתוך ארבעה מאמינים כי האנטישמיות גברה בחמש השנים האחרונות. הסקר בוצע לפני כשנה במדינות רבות ברחבי אירופה ולקחו בו חלק כששת אלפים יהודים. בהר המנוחות בירושלים נערכה בצהריים הלוויתו של יוסף חריש שהיה היועץ המשפטי לממשלה בין השנים 1986 ל-1993 כתבנו יאיר שרקי מוסר חריש נפטר לפני יומיים בגיל 90 מאות בני אדם ליוו אותו בדרכו האחרונה בהם שופט בית המשפט העליון אליוקים רובינשטיין
5: השארי ציווי נאמן, אדם אנושי מה האמת? השבועות צוחחנו
1: יומיים שלושה לפני I was Guadouche a
4: במסחר במטבע חוץ, הדולר נותר היום כמעט ללא שינוי ושערוי יציג שלושה שקלים, חמישים ושלוש אגורות ושש עשיריות האגורה. הארו נחלש בכי שמוני עשיריות האחוז ומחירו ארבעה שקלים, שבעים אגורות ושתי עשיריות האגורה. את הנתונים עשרה כתבתנו לענייני כלכלה, יונה לייבזון. מזג האוויר היא <מזג> התקררות עם סיכוי החדשות
1: o <laughs> our hearts to see so many beautiful faces new and old so let's have a lot of real holy fun tonight can't think think of a better term for that at least that's, that's what we're having up here so we need your help for this one
0: It's amazing to me how many casual Kalbachians are not familiar with that song. It is so amazing. Bo Yves Shalom here at J M And before that, Shlomo Katz, yeah, he's familiar with it, that's for sure. With Yismichu and Yitzhak Mayor Helfgott and Yitzhak Perlman together off of Eternal Echoes to open up the 7 o'clock hour, 20 minutes after 7. Don't forget, Tuesday at 20 minutes after 7, it's our Yeshiva League sports update. and don't And a big, big shout-out to our friends at Crown Trophy of Brooklyn, Mike and the entire staff. Who take great pride in what we're doing with sports here at JM and the AM. Don't forget Tuesday at 7.20. And don't forget that Sunday night at 7.00 p.m., Elliot Weiselberg with Court Report. A brand new edition coming up this Sunday live at 7.00 p.m. All the hockey, all the basketball, even the TABC loss last night. Yeah, Even that, unfortunately, has to be included in the report. Uh, (laughs) All of it's going to be included this coming Sunday night. At uh, 7 p.m. on the stream at jmandtheam.org. Make sure to be tuned in. Uh, It should be a lot of fun. Already a great reaction to the court report program. Candle lighting at 424. Cannot emphasize it enough. 424. It's early. Don't get caught in one of those uh, close to Shabbos situations. Monday's Veterans Day. As we mentioned, Robert Katz will be in this chair, and I thank him in advance. A reminder, as Larry Spivak told us yesterday, a reminder that the big auction for High Lifeline is uh, tomorrow night at Shari Zion. You can go to chaiauction.org or dial 212-894-8235, 212-894-8235. The Deer Shoe event is tomorrow, meaning it's really today. The Deer Shoe Shabbos is tonight and tomorrow. The event that we're going to have on our stream at jmnam.org is tomorrow night. ZK is going to be uh, live at the Deer Shoe event. As soon as they make Havdalah, as soon as uh, the Deershoe folks hit the Zman tomorrow night, uh, we are going to go live at jmnam.org. You'll be able to hear all the words of inspiration. You'll be able to hear the music of Isaac Honig. You'll be able to hear the debut of the Deer Shoe song, Achenu. Uh, it's all going to be part of a show that's going to be happening right after Havdallah. I'll try to remind everybody on Facebook and Twitter, uh, just as we finish Havdullah that it's that it's upcoming probably in a few minutes. Um, it's all going to be happening online till about eight o'clock. So make sure to be tuned in tomorrow night for the words of inspiration and the um, the uh, different uh, parts of the program that are going to be featured on our stream at jmnam.org. If you don't get it on the stream, you can call the uh, listen line at two one two four one nine. 212-419-4241, and you could listen uh, that way. Uh, Rabbi Goldwasser speaks tonight at the Unusual of Midwood. Keep that in mind. Rabbi Goldwasser tonight at the Unusual of Midwood. Again, a Mazel tov to all the uh, couples that are being recognized by our Ravim tomorrow night up at a Terrace Charna in Spring Valley. The thirteenth anniversary our Ravim dinner includes our good friends Chaya and Joseph Stansky. Uh, who we know, of course, from Camp Masora. They're receiving the Community Service Award. Mazal tov to all the honorees and to everybody who continues to support the great work of our Raven. That'll be a great dinner uh, tomorrow night up in uh, Rockland County. Um, I remind you that the Open House for Women at Yeshiva University is this coming Sunday for Stern College for Women. Information, you can go to yu.edu for info. Uh, on that one, mazel tov to the guests of honor for Congregation Darche Noam, their first annual dinner. Mazel tov to Rachel and Nathan Bednarsh with Akhar Satov for their effort in founding and building of Congregation Darche Noam of Fairlawn, New Jersey and helping the shul grow. Go to DarcheNoam.com for information on that. Um, what else do I have to tell everybody about? Monday is Veterans Day. There is a Yarche Kala in Brooklyn, New York. It will include uh, Rabbi Reisman, uh, Rabbi Kushner. Rabbi Israal Webster, uh, Rabbi Ruvein Mendelwitz, all part of the Yarche Kala for this coming Monday morning for the legal holiday at the Agudis Israal of Madison, 2122 Avenue S. Information, all you gotta do is, um, call 718-253-5497, 718-253-5497. Mazal Tov to the honorees for the MTJ, Masifta Tavares Rushalay, Meshiva of Staten Island dinner. That is happening this coming uh, Sunday. And um, to the Kleiman, uh, the Gross, the Blumenkranz, the Aryeh, the Frankel, the Lamb, the Warren families, uh, we say Mazal Tov. I want to give a special shout-out to Mrs. Frimmy Frankel. Uh, she's getting the Rebbiton, uh Shima Feinstein Award. And um, I want to give her a special shout-out and a Mazal Tov wish from all of us here at JM in the AM. So that's some of the stuff that's going on. Check out our community calendar online at jmandtheam.org, go to jmandtheam.org, click on community calendar, and you will see the Dear this is up there. <coughs> Excuse me. Live music with B'nai Jazz in Tenafly, New Jersey. That event for tomorrow night is up there. Professor Mark Shapiro, Kingsway Jewish Center for tomorrow night. That is up on our, uh, on our community calendar site. Um, Talmud Torah of Flatbush. Their event for tomorrow night is up there as well. Uh, the, Klez- the the, too many duvids, too full duvids, too many Dave's Klezmer ensemble at Smokey Joe's Kosher Barbecue tomorrow night. I'm assuming that's the one in Teaneck, New Jersey, right? Uh, that's up there. The, uh, Susan Nelson Glasser Memorial Crystal Knock Commemoration at Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey on Sunday night. That's up on our community calendar. Uh, so there's a lot. You'll, if you check out our community calendar online, go to the community calendar section of JMAM.org. You'll see a whole bunch of events that are up there. 27 minutes after 7 o'clock, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Again, candle lighting at 424 on this Erev Shabbos. Here's Leviathan.
5: good job 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 good good good
3: I'm Hashem es lo izorcho,
6: Hashoyim es avos, Abayim manas,
3: Lo Laj la i veli
0: Oh, I regret interrupting this election, I'll tell you that much. Oh, maybe we'll play it in its entirety after Abayudin. That would be nice. The classic, or one of the classic, Baruch Kel Elyons from around the Shabbos table. That's the uh, name of the CD. Friday morning broadcast, J.M. and the A.M. on this era of Shabbos. Parashas Vayetze. Uh Candlelighting at 424. We can't say it enough times. We don't want anybody to get stuck uh, with um, a very, very hectic early afternoon uh, trying to make it home for shabbos we're not used to this shabbos beginning this early now that we're on standard time four twenty-four 24 candle lighting time again beware veterans day is monday robert katz will be in on monday between six and nine i return on a tuesday morning i want to thank our friends at jewishworldreview.com who continue to recommend to their readers our live stream at jmnam.org and i saw some of the folks from jewishworldreview.com this past weekend and they continue to be enthusiastic about what we present on a daily basis to this amazing audience. So I thank them, and I remind you that if you go to um, their site, there's some amazing articles with commentary, insight, and news that you will find intriguing. In fact, I uh, told the editor of JewishWorldView.com just how much printing from his website is done every Friday <laughs> for articles for people to read over Shabbos. It is... Uh, Pretty incredible. Uh, Forty degrees, partly cloudy, a high 51. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for what we call the weekly update here on Fridays at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Your thoughts as uh, we now enter a transition stage and Bill de Blasio will be the next mayor of the city of New York?
7: Well, I think uh, all changes can bring exciting possibilities, and we'll have to see who is in the government, uh, how quickly he moves, and he seems to be moving very quickly to implement some of the things that he has said he sees as his priorities. Uh, I think it's uh, very exciting that Chaim Deutsch will be sitting in the city council. For the first time, you have two uh, traditional Jews sitting there uh, who will be advocating both for their total constituencies, but also be sensitive to the special needs of the community. Uh, I think that um, other people want who who will serve the city and the community well.
0: It's amazing how many people now collectively are serving in the New York State Legislature with traditional ties or uh, who are active traditional Jews in our community. And now, as you just mentioned, the city council as well. It begs the question, Malcolm, and I'm sure people are thinking about this uh, every time we get to election day and i sort of call it the uh, the damato schumer um doctoral thesis if somebody would write it and that is is it in fact better uh for our community to have high profile people from our community in seats of government like you just described or is it sometimes better uh to be a little bit more off the radar and allow our friends uh to fight for us in those respective government bodies
7: i think it's good to have people on both sides <clears throat> i think we have enough Good people, committed people, both serve, which means great sacrifice, and we should appreciate that. The, uh, the and at the same time, people who advocate and support them, we need uh, people to be involved to do voter registration. And the uh, lesson of this election, and especially Heim Deutscher's election, is that when a community gets involved, you can look at the numbers and you look at the odds and be discouraged and say it can't be done, and it could be done. And I credit the Flatbush Jewish Community Council, the rabbis, the activists, the people who got really behind this uh, campaign, and Haim, of course, himself, and the, the, um, the need now to sustain the outreach to all parts of the community, both on the part of the candidate and the part of the organization, so that they are representative of truly the broadest constituencies. And most of all, that we educate our young people to go out, vote, get involved, we still have very small numbers. When you looked at this election, it was decided by 2,000 votes or so. You realize how much each vote counts.
0: And back to my point just for a second. Uh, so therefore, you would not discourage someone with a yarmulke, for instance, uh, vying for a government body position, but you, but you would hope that no matter who it is, they would behave properly and represent the community properly?
7: That is a given, and I think that the integrity of the person is the critical factor, regardless of uh, whether they were a or not. That's that's the first thing that one wants from uh, elected official, although there's a gemara that said you shouldn't elect anybody who doesn't have a skeleton in the closet because if they become... Too haughty, you can always remind them. Mm. But I don't think there's anybody. Who, <laughs>
0: that, that was that, in the pre-Twitter <laughs> the Talmudic times. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, that was who the call Rove of Talmud. Said that. So the, but the, I think the message is important. that also, people who get elected have to always keep in mind. Or those involved in political life you always have to, you know, maintain a degree of humility and, and realize that you're a servant to the people. you you're you're there and privileged to be there be able to do this this, um, not to lose sight of it and when they do they get into trouble and we saw in this past year how many people embarrass themselves embarrass their communities embarrassed others by their behavior
0: yeah no question about it and we have so much to discuss and so many important things but just for a moment in terms of what happened here in the Garden State, Malcolm Honline has expressed his frustration with how long presidential campaigns are. I think you're willing to agree at this point that essentially they're at least two years in advance of a presidential election in this country. After what happened here in New Jersey, you do realize that essentially we're now in a three-year campaign for president, right?
7: And uh, what about Chuck Schumer's endorsement of Hillary? Right! Already? Good
0: point!
7: So we are well into... Uh, the presidential election, I, I think it's devastatingly harmful, uh, not what Trump did, but in general to have such long campaigns, I think people lose interest and people get knocked out who might be the best candidates, but because of the length of time, you know, they like him, then they dislike them, and whoever's the front runner, <laughs> I mean, everybody will be running against themselves because nobody will want to be a front runner to get knocked off anymore,
0: Right. You know? Until v- the end, let look, look be- at
7: all the people who were front runners during this mayoral campaign. Right, Quinn was so far ahead. Right. Wiener was far ahead. All, uh, at Thompson,
0: right. Everybody had their time where they. Uh, were, obviously,
7: it was always behind. And,
0: and 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 frankly, even Wiener enjoyed first place for a while. For a long time. Right. Um, well, if if what you just said again, you know, from an analysis uh, standpoint, is the way to go. Then the governor of New Jersey really's got to start to lay low over the next few months. In other words, you know this this big bump or burst in popularity, and I hear he's going to be on every Sunday talk show, uh, you know, around the country, which is understandable. Uh, that that could last for a few days, but if it lasts too long, like you just said, he, he, the inevitable is going to happen, and uh, you know that merry-go-round of candidates is going to knock him right off.
7: I'm not sure he's capable of laying low, <laughs> but uh, uh, but he's uh, look, he's very entertaining and he's he's uh, sharp tongue and. Makes for good interviews, but I think he himself will realize that, that that's not something that sustains, and that you've got to moderate the, how much. Right now, he should take advantage of the opportunity, in right. order to get the nationwide exposure.
0: And we know that he enjoyed his trip to Israel, so that's good. That was good. All right, there's so much going on, so much to talk about in terms of what's going on in this world of ours. Uh, let's start with the, uh, the, the. There's a statement by John Kerry now. John Kerry, and I read this as opposed to. I read that as opposed to how Hillary approached negotiations between Israelis and the P.A., he's really involved. I think it's become obvious, but he's really been involved. United States Secretary of State John Kerry, according to Jerusalem Post, painted a very bleak picture of what would be the result of a breakdown in the current Israeli P.A. talks, warning on Thursday of a third intifada and international isolation of Israel. Now, Malcolm, I know that Kerry has a responsibility to try to get these two parties to the table and and hopefully, uh, from his perspective, get to a peace process and peace agreement as soon as possible. But isn't it rather bizarre or inappropriate for the Secretary of State to sort of give a a pass to the PA that if, if, if in fact, these negotiations break down, an intifada or isolation of Israel would be justified?
7: I think it's unfortunate when they publicly raised these things because you are, in fact, to a degree, not only legitimizing it, but but putting the onus on one party. I think the, uh, the involvement of the secretary is sometimes helpful, sometimes to be a bridge. Uh, there have been bridging proposals, which Palestinians didn't like, which Israel did like, some that Israel found to- uh, unacceptable, which the Palestinians, I'm sure, would find acceptable. The talks themselves have now been going on for three, four months or longer. The United States, by the way, this week, gave the Palestinians, $75 million more. The, uh, the Palestinians say they want the EU and the UN and Russia into the talks. Um, and I think in, in this regard, they're try, they are trying to put more pressure on the United States. They do press and threaten an intifada. This is a, a lethal threat, obviously, remembering what happened the last time.
2: Yeah. So
7: there's a lot of debate in the security services in Israel whether that's actually a feasible threat or not. Whether it's likely to have uh, uh, much of an impact, and you know the United States comments come after this uh, devastating release leak of information about well, it wasn't devastating but embarrassing leak of information regarding Israel being responsible for the attack in Syria, right. which you know neither side made any public mention of because Syria, if it actually makes if it makes the accusation. And Israel, if it takes credit for it, then requires a response. It w- it forces Syria to respond this way. When you leave it ambiguous, there isn't the pressure to say they say, "Well, we don't know who who carried it out." The United States did it because they didn't want to be held responsible, and they think felt that it might undermine the relationships that the non-existent the Geneva talks and it's. it's but it, it undermines the confidence in the relationship, and once and. and I think does a lot of damage when you then go to the prime minister, and, and the United States has the, the presence of uh, an ongoing representative, who does not sit in the talks but goes in at the end and then gets an update, which he communicates back. So the talks are are clearly at a critical stage. You know, we've seen the discussions about the Jordan Valley, Israel's building a fence there, the announcements of, of new housing. By the way, it's not construction; it's, it's the zoning process, which means that it takes a long time. Uh, to, till it comes to to fruition uh, i think that the uh, the way to get to a deal is not this way and, and frankly i still do not believe that abbas will sign a deal i don't believe he, he wants a deal i think he wants negotiations the the other thing that will complicated is these revelation about arafat uh, the study of Arafat's remains that indicate he did have uh, plutonium poisoning and uh, a very high degree of it was found, very unusual degree, obviously, a multiple of what is in any regular human being remains. Uh, and, of course, this opens the way to accusations that Israel did it. It's interesting that Mrs. Arafat, in her comments, did not point the finger at Israel. And, obviously, there are a lot of candidates possible. Israel is the least likely, because if Israel wanted to eliminate him, they could have many times.
0: Yeah. All right, I right, got to review for a second. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Malcolm Holmline is with us. I'm actually trying to find... A statement that I had regarding the um, uh, the uh, revelation about the uh, the Syrian attack and the United States really stabbing Netanyahu in the back on that one. I can't find it a second, but let's review what we what, what you just covered. So we're trying to the United States is trying to uh, continue to establish some type of uh, agreement and move forward between the PA and Israel. At the same time, they do what the what 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 has happened to other countries as well over the last few months, which is demonstrate that they don't have, uh, you know, uh, their allies back, uh, because as you just described it, the United States, because of what was in their better interest, went ahead and revealed that Israel was responsible for that attack on Syria, and if, and do we know if there are? Reper- I mean, there must be repercussions for Israel when that's revealed, right?
7: There are potentially serious re- repercussions. The we haven't seen it yet i mean it's interesting that you don't see response nor did you see response to the earlier attacks which were attributed to israel uh, against syrian targets right. which are not actually directed at syrian armed forces uh, uh, they are targeting the material that is supposedly on its way to be transferred to hezbollah or has been transferred to hezbollah and hezbollah is going to transfer to lebanon and both sites uh, Contained these the rockets supplied by Russia, sold by Russia to to uh, Syria, and Israel acted preemptively to prevent a terrorist organization from acquiring these more
0: advanced weapons. Right. Th- then you mentioned the the potential for an intifada, as Kerry didn't allude to but said it directly. So what does it mean when you say that Israel security services uh, don't see how it's possible that that me- that means what what's missing? That allowed for intifadas years ago, but would not be able to put it into action now.
7: I didn't say it's impossible. I was talking about the likelihood, right? Um, and they there are people who argue both sides, and the threat of an intifada from Arafat's remains the the, the discoveries from Arafat.
0: Yeah, well, remains the...
7: and the constant incitement, by the way, by the Palestinian Authority in many ways, but especially about construction on Al-Quds, meaning on Harbaith, on the Temple Mount. Right, but
0: there's always a motive. I mean, the motive's never the issue. The question is, when the when the motive is taken advantage of, why wouldn't they have the, I don't know, the wherewithal, the equipment, the camaraderie, the strategy to carry out an intifada?
7: So I'm coming to that, But and you've seen concomitant with these things, the rising number of violent attacks, especially in Yudin-Shamun in the West Bank, where people have been killed or stabbed or attacked, uh, there's a debate whether this is coordinated or there are individual incidents. I don't think that the difference uh, lies in terms of what it means then for an intifada. What it means, what it does indicate is this rising tension, rising activism. We know that Al Qaeda, other groups are there, and, and Hamas are, are instigating, and the PA itself is responsible for a lot of it, including Abbas and all the leadership who continue to engage in this incitement. So you have the, the conditions for it. That's the point of this second part is whether there is the motivation right now in the organization and and people uh, are still working and people are still receiving aid and stuff so that is one of the things that that they don't want to risk they don't want to go back to the two or three years of the intifada uh, the last intifada which was costly for them it was very costly in israeli lives right but it's also for them it disrupts their lives they have no jobs they have no uh you know money coming in uh, their, their lives come to a standstill stand uh, as well. But instigate it to the point where it breaks out. Then you have people start to join in, and all those who want to take advantage of it, or those who want to exploit it, against the PA, against Israel, or for a variety of other reasons.
0: So the rhetoric is always there. You just need the desire of the people in order to carry it out. And
7: anything could ignite it. And it can right. start small and then either similar or explode, you know, with all the frustrations and people knowing the corruption of the PA, they want to get rid of, of Abbas, so you people who have another agenda, not related to this but related to the PA itself and its leadership, could exploit these circumstances. And all this competition for leadership will provide opportunities for people to be more and more extreme because that's what they believe wins favor in the streets.
0: And then finally on the Arafat thing is so, I mean, I understand it as, you know, as being part of the, uh, what could ignite an intifada and all that, but I mean, what's going on here is obvious, you know, and we, and we know this from Jewish history, that, you know, people try to, uh, uh establish some type of lie or reputation. And then it lasts, you know, sometimes for thousands of years. So essentially what they're trying to do is is rewrite the history books to make sure that people generations from now associate Arafat's death with an Israeli assassination, a successful Israeli assassination attempt, right, essentially?
7: That's right. You rewrite history, but you also rewrite it for the contemporary times. You know, there was a study that showed that less than a third of Palestinians said they would participate in a new intifada and more than half support the negotiations about 40-some percent said they didn't, and uh, uh, but most are not optimistic. So the, the fact is that it indicates you used to have 70 percent, 80 percent, 60 percent that would say they would support it. You have now about 31 percent saying they would support it. Uh, and But all of these uh, elements, which people too often dismiss, they say, who cares what they say who killed Arafat? It does matter. It becomes part of the rhetoric of today. It becomes part of the history. Tomorrow, the, the, we see the new textbooks that Hamas is putting out. They wrote their own textbooks, and they have whole chapters on cross-border raiding or, or detailing the attacks against Israelis. It's it's ridiculous I cr- and I- you have it, by the way, on the other side. Uh, Three-quarters of Israelis don't believe that negotiations will lead to peace
0: with PA. On the textbooks, I couldn't even believe the New York Times felt it was newsworthy, but uh, at least they were willing to expose it. I mean, you've been saying this for years uh, in terms of what's going on with the uh, education of the uh, of students in the PA areas. Um, so the incitement is always there. Did Netanyahu have a uh, – and this is not in direct uh, response to the PA. This was an direct response – the comments about a deal with Iran. Uh, the Jerusalem Post says it's the harshest response he's ever had in terms of this negotiation. Now, frankly, Malcolm, I, the, the, you know, for me and other uh, and other lay people out there, we get so confused. It seems every single week there's a new deal with Iran, and it, it, instead of there being some type of systematic, you know. Um, a process towards sanctions, or you know, towards some type of uh, agreement, whatever that agreement is going to be. It seems like every week, all of a sudden, you know, pops up another agreement, another potential, uh, you know, deal with Iran. And this week, it looks like you know they're they're ready to they're ready to, to to make an agreement where they're literally going to stop, where they're going to agree that sanctions can end if Iran behaves a certain way in terms of nuclear development. Netanyahu responded to all of this in a very harsh way and said that no deal is better than you know a bad deal. He had no choice but to respond this way, right?
7: Well, first of all, it's true. That's, that's the first point. It's not just a response, and it's not just you know, a rhetorical exercise. This is the most serious issue facing the Middle East, facing Israel, facing America. And the danger is that we fall into the same trap that we did with North Korea, in negotiations with them, that we fell in repeatedly, over and over again, and which history shows does not yield the outcome that everybody thinks. Right now, there is a proposal, and you are absolutely right. We're hearing all sorts of suggestions. We don't know the actual text yet of what is being proposed. We've heard the outline, some of it coming from uh, official sources. You know, Iran quintupled the number of advanced centrifuges that it had, so when it... It says they'll cut back, uh, and that's just since February, by the way. Um, uh, when it says it cuts back, so the question is, what is it cutting back? Is it stopping all of them? Is it stopping some of them? For what period of time? And the critical conditions, and this is why Netanyahu responded as he did, that anything that leaves intact the infrastructure of enrichment is unacceptable. Because you, you can go, for instance, the 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 removing of the 20% enriched uranium. But today with the new centrifuges, they don't need 20% enriched uranium as they did in the past as a a step on the way to 90%, which is weapons grade. They have to enrich uranium to 90%. So you today you can go from 5%. So leaving intact even the 5%, uh, all the infrastructure, all the equipment, all of the plants, if they stay intact and, uh, and use only the old centrifuges, which are much uh, slower, you you have not really changed the fundamentals of the situation. You know, in in Iran today, the debate is not whether it should be five percent, three and a half, twenty percent. The debate is, do you have to yell death to America? And the answer is yes, and death to Israel. And the the this is chanted today. It's it's the. We saw the huge demonstrations over the last week. We see the anti-American feeling being incited, being stimulated by the regime, a regime that is no different and worse in many respects than previous regimes, which were Khmerinejad, uh, 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 which was obvious, and here you have a guy who's much more clever. We run in. Now the European leaders, uh, foreign ministers, are going to join Kerry. In Geneva, they're going to make a big...
0: When is that? That's today, today, today tomorrow? Today, today?
7: today. They're coming. They're going their way there now. And uh, So the
0: United States is sitting... With a country that's chanting and demands their people to chant death to America.
7: And and, and I'm sorry for a six months short. but I just want to put try to put some of this in context before we get into the discussion of, of where we're going with it. Um, there was no consultation with Congress. Congress does not know more than we know. They read the, uh, the reports, and I met with yesterday with members of Congress, um, and Congress is a second track that will talk about what's happening there in terms of the legislation moving ahead. But Netanyahu says, look, we're not going to be bound by any agreement. This is a bad agreement, and when he says uh, no deal is, uh, is better than a bad deal, these are the words of Secretary Kerry. And because a bad deal is going to lead to a much more escalated and worse situation in the future than, than no deal. So what we hear that they're proposing is allowing enrichment – at three and a half percent to continue which they say they need for power stations but the uh, but they would limit the number of centrifuges being used but it wouldn't include any demand to remove or disable them and that iran would uh, take its twenty percent uranium and turning it into oxide which is harmless uh, but other people say it can be reversed and it can be used and they can still produce the rest of it in a short period of time they can produce enough for, for a bomb and they're going to allow them to continue to work on the plutonium reactor at iraq which is another route to getting a nuclear weapon they say they won't use the more advanced um, uh... uh, ir-2 centrifuges and capable of enriching three or five five times faster than the older ones and the u.s. would revert would ease what they called reversible economic sanctions the problem is that once you start lifting sanctions it's very hard to reverse because the europeans and others certainly the Chinese and Russians, the Chinese not abiding by it now, uh, and the Russians abiding by it in the breach, would, will uh, jump on it because they all want to exploit the money, they all want to get the benefit uh, of, uh, you know, of uh, Iranian oil, buying oil, and, and uh, um, taking advantage of any, any slippage on this at a time when we should be strengthening it and when the Congress is moving ahead and the House already passed it, the Senate uh, is going to. Uh, is going to start markup and consideration. I believe we we'll move ahead, despite the administration's urging them not to, because they felt it would upset the the, the uh, negotiations. And the you know there are so many points to be made about what the nature of the regime is.
0: Are all the uh, far are the major foreign ministries of all the European Union at this meeting in Geneva?
7: They were not, but they they were asked to come because. perhaps to have the deal signed today, and they want to make it all the more probable by having the... uh, I know uh, Lauren Fabius of uh, France and uh, William Hague of Britain, the foreign minister, foreign secretary of Britain, and the German foreign minister, uh, Guido Vestaville, were all invited to come and join Kerry in... um,
0: I mean, it's impossible for the U.S. to not cave into the EU. The EU wants this deal more than the U.S. does. No, but it's
7: U.S.-led; it's not the EU-led. It's they're inviting them to come, but this is a U.S. deal.
0: Um, basically, would give a is it what the article says in the Jerusalem Post that would be a short-term deal where their nuclear activities would stop for six months, and there would be you know, and they would buy time for quote-unquote a permanent agreement.
7: Well, as I said, all the things I mentioned are stuff that's being speculated in the press. Some of it coming from official sources, uh, but no, they're not stopping them completely. And there, they're Iran
0: t- would freeze its nuclear activities. That report from the press is incorrect.
7: No, are we re- don't know because we don't know. We haven't seen the deal yet. But there are various reports indicating that it's not really a total freeze, right. which Iran would not agree to anyway. A
0: limited freeze,
7: and and it's not a. We're not undoing the existing uh, sanctions regime. And the administration keeps saying, and these are reversible regimes, these are other uh, measures. I mean, but, but what they're proposing, for instance, is, free, is unfreezing monies that were frozen in bank accounts around the world that certain countries uh, could release uh, the funds that they're holding. That's equally dangerous. Once you release the funds, you can't take it back. That's done. So it's not really reversible. We can impose new sanctions. We can tighten the sanctions that exist again. Uh, and we 're not undoing the the fundamentals of the of the regime but Every concession is a message to the Iranians that you don't have to give up much, and you can get a lot.
0: What I've learned from this conversation is that a week from now, when there'll be a completely different deal out there, and when, and when sanctions and negotiations and freezes are being discussed in some other totally different context, I have a right to be frustrated, because you agree that it seems every single week, and maybe you'd say day by day, the way you follow it, it seems that there's something different going on every single day.
7: And sometimes hour by hour, and we get different messages from... Uh, different uh, people, different uh, officials, who and, and some of them, and not because they're lying, because this is what they were told. And and as I said, I met with congressional leaders even as recently as yesterday. And they don't know. And they themselves don't know exactly what we're dealing with.
0: Um, on the subject of the media reporting accurately or not, can we trust this report that 22 of the 23 sites in Syria have been dismantled at this point?
7: These are the disclosed, disclosed sites. It does not mean that there aren't sites we did, that Syria didn't disclose. It does not mean that they got rid of their stockpiles. It does not mean that there aren't facilities that would be available for for them to hide uh, stuff from, let's say, shells with chemical weapons from the inspectors. So that the the 22 sites with Syria which Syria acknowledged have been successfully stopped and and some process of dismantlement now they have to move to the next stage of really taking them apart removing uh i don't know hundreds of tons of of mustard gas and other chemical weapons that that exist in Syria
0: is Jordan going to take the vacated seat by Saudi Arabia on the uh on the non-permanent security council the non-permanent security council seat
7: I do not think so I don't think they're prepared and I don't think they, they particularly want it. I do think, perhaps, ultimately, Saudi Arabia may take it, uh, because the other options for them are not so palatable about who might get it if they don't. Uh, so um, it's still up in the air. This is, again, directed as a message to the United States, and after this deal, you can imagine it's not just uh, uh, Netanyahu, who is very outspoken about it. But the Saudis, the Jordanians, the Gulf, everybody are going to be very upset by this uh, these proposals.
0: Was this the first week that Egypt announced that they'll be uh, going to elections in 2014, or that's old news already?
7: Well, they have uh, talked about it in the past, but...
0: It's now official?
7: This, this is a, a new thing. This is a response to a lot of the pressure, the external pressure.
0: So they have no choice, and they're so elect- they'll-, they'll-, they'll elect the entire parliament, right? Right, and
7: supposed uh, to also be a new draft of the constitution coming out at some point.
0: So this is a good thing or bad thing to see yet another transition? I know it's not a real transition, but it, but I mean, I guess in one way it's, it's Egypt demanding more stability, right, by going to elections.
7: Well, well, number one, to satisfy the people internally who are clamoring for uh, a government, responsive government to. To the outside pressure, which I think is probably number one, especially the United States, which is demanding a democratic, inclusive government. Right now, Egypt's number one priority is not the democracy; it's stability, right. and it's how you start to begin to deal with the economy. But frankly, I think as important is their war in Sinai against the, against the terrorist organizations Al Qaeda and others that are operating there, which could destabilize a lot of the region. The, they have a lot. Uh, they have a conflict with Gaza and, and with Hamas, where they are they are trying to clamp down on the terrorist activities in the, the impact on Egypt and uh, sustaining the uh, the Suez Canal safety and security, which is also a source of income. Trying to rebuild their tourism industry. Those are the things which the government right now. But but they have also still the internal conflict. There are still demonstrations going on by Muslim Brotherhood and supporters. Uh, they have moved. Very strongly against the the, Hamas, the uh, Muslim Brotherhood leadership, and uh, you know the Morsi trial was convened for one day and now uh, put off until um, I think till January or February. Uh, also, Egypt stopped accepting refugees from Syria because they see it as becoming a destabilizing uh, factor, as well other countries, uh, Jordan, Turkey, others.
0: Did you hear about the Syrian kid born in Israel?
7: Yes. But, uh, but it's another one of those stories that you don't read about when Israel is taking people who are wounded or hurt or can't be treated in Syria. They come to the border, and there is a, a, an IDF facility set up. But for the more for cases that require more intense treatment, they are taken to hospitals in Israel and treated. And one, the first baby born to a Syrian woman was this
0: week. The baby is an Israeli Israeli hospital. The baby is an Israeli citizen or not? <laughs> I don't think <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I keep. I keep saying yes. <laughs> I, only you would think of that. If I'm going with the logical <laughs> choice. Then yeah, why not, obviously. Uh, American Drones Friday killed the leader of the Pakistani Taliban, dealing a major blow to a militant group that has terrorized Pakistan that tried to set off a car bomb in New York City in 2010. Any diplomatic uh, repercussions for the U.S. as they continue these drone attacks and take out some more and more bad guys?
7: Sure, there are a lot of domestic... Uh, ramifications in Pakistan which is uh, a frenemy, as they called it they call it, you know, a friend and enemy Mm -hmm. uh, depending upon what hour of the day it is (laughs) and the you know, the growth Al-Qaeda was born in Pakistan, not in Afghanistan and you have strong Islamist elements it's a powerful country Uh, and um, these attacks then become, the government officials attack the United States for them Uh, In some cases, they wanted to be given shared credit, like when they took out the al-Qaeda leadership, uh, when Osama bin Laden was killed. So some people were resentful that they didn't get enough credit, and others say, don't give us any credit, we don't want to be, you know, and then they can criticize the United States for it. But there is this debate inside Pakistan about the violation of their sovereignty when the United States carries out these drone attacks, which are called for, valid, I think under international law, you can take steps to prevent an attack, and, that, and eliminating an al-Qaeda leader like that does that.
0: Um, finally, about the foreign minister of Israel, or the former foreign minister of Israel, Victor Lieberman, uh, being found by the court as uh, as acquitted by the court, but told by the court that his behavior was not ethical. Strange reaction by the court, right? That, they, that he's acquitted, but, but told how some of his behavior was unethical. Anyway, your reaction to all this, he will likely be foreign minister again, right?
7: Within a few days. I think it's going to be a shock to the political system. I think there were people who were counting not on his full conviction, but a partial conviction that might mm. keep him out of politics for this, till the next government or for this round or maybe longer. Uh, you remember, he was under investigation for, I think, 17 years.
0: Yeah, I thought 13, but yeah. And, like
7: well, this is the total of, all right. of the investigations. not went just charges, but uh this is uh, a bouchard this is such an embarrassment again to the po- to the judicial system <coughs> not the judges but to the to the investigators to the police to these charges that are constantly being brought and they most cases lately have amounted to to non convictions the real test now that comes up is olmert who will Uh, court case, and and the outcome will be determined, in, I think, within a couple
0: weeks. But in in Lieberman's case, Malcolm, in all fairness, uh, as the years went by, didn't uh, evidence, witnesses, testimony start to disappear? No. (laughs) I mean, you know, you call it a bouchard, but the reality is that a lot less to deal with now than they would have years ago.
7: Yes, but the outcome is what, what you measure, and you know, I, I will tell you one thing, that he can run as Mr. Clinton, because there's nobody who's been investigated more. There's no single charge you could bring against him anymore, because I'm sure everything that he's ever done has been examined now. And, uh, it, and it will be a shock. It will be a challenge to Netanyahu. He's, he's I assure you, meeting already <clears throat> with some of the other parties, like Bennett. Uh, I think he's, he could challenge the prime minister in the future for his position. Uh, but he certainly will come and bring his own mark again to the foreign ministry. And and it doesn't go all one way. People think he's an extremely hardliner. He is on certain issues, and he's not on others. Uh, he also has a base. And the question is, can he sustain that base? How will the Israeli voters uh, react to, to his return? And will his party split from Likud this time? Will they build a local bases like running for mayors, et cetera, which they did? Uh, the, there are a lot of question marks.
0: So Netanyahu calls it, uh, the uh, Iran deal, a mistake of historical proportions. Will that mistake be made in the next couple of days or not, your prediction?
7: It's well on its way to being made. I, I think that it, there will be a, a lot of regret. Um, you can see the, the, already the seeds and blossoming of nuclear powers emerging, including the Saudis. Maybe first, but many others after them. I think it's going to involve a loss of trust, further loss of trust in the United States and in the West. I think uh, the people in Israel are going to be very wary uh, of this deal, and you're going to see many more harsh comments. We're going to see what the leaders of of Congress have to say. You know, the American people obviously want to see this thing resolved. Nobody wants a war, but this kind of weakness. Uh, is is exactly what leads countries like Iraq, Iran, and its long history, and especially Rouhani, the current leader's history, is exactly that. He takes advantage of it. He wrote books about how he took advantage of it. He gives public speeches about how he took advantage of it. And you can be sure that's what they're going to do yeah. now.
0: Hey, Malcolm, let's do it again next week, huh? Um, I think you'll be... Won't have a problem finding material. That's there. for sure. It all starts about now, frankly. That's when the material begins. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm Homeline is Executive Vice Chairman the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, Friday morning, J.M. and the A.M. Veterans Day on Monday. Robert will be here, and I thank him in advance. I'll be back here on Tuesday. Pay careful attention to our stream all day long, including Naomi Nachman, who has a great show coming up at 9 a.m. this morning, entitled Table for Two, uh, followed by the incredible Arab Shabbos music mix. I have a big shout-out to our friends at Kedem, and especially to Jay Booksbaum, who I hear was discussing my... Uh, my drinking habits, or lack thereof, <laughs> with the, uh, with the Leo and everybody on West Englewood Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. Well, Jay, guess what? I left there with a, uh, with a nice purchase of some orange muscat. Just need you to know that. So you'll know I'm still on the bandwagon. Anyway, uh, make sure to pay careful attention to our stream all day long. The Arab Shabbos music mix is absolutely amazing. Goes all the way until candle lighting time. No better way to prepare for Shabbos. Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami. But first, our friends at Deer Shoe are going to be on our stream at jmnam.org right after Havdalah. The inspirational words, the music of Isaac Honig, the debut of the Achenu song from Deer Shoe, and so much more from the Deer Shoe sold out Shabbos all will be on our stream right after Havdalah tomorrow night. So make sure to turn on your computer after you make Havdalah. Uh, It'll be an incredible program from Dearshu, which will go until about 8 o'clock tomorrow evening. Then Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami at 10. Sunday morning, it's Matis with JM Sunday, beginning at 7 a.m. Unbelievable programming on our stream all weekend long. Make sure you're tuned in at jmandtheam.org. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden spiritual leader of congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin.
8: Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayetze. Parshas Vayetze is a very rich parsha. In its 148 psukim, Yaakov builds the foundation of the Jewish home. He arrives, as we are told, in the very beginning of the Parsha, in Haran, and 20 years later, he has 11 sons, one daughter, and is about, and actually does, return to Eretz Yisrael. I always point out that Parsha Sfayetze is Tuma. Stuma means that there's not a single break in the text, meaning there are no paragraphs. From topic to topic, when we write an essay, we have a new paragraph. The Torah, Kedosha, as well, when it goes from one topic to another, there is, oftentimes either a psucha, whereby a new paragraph is indicated by the rest of the line being open, or a stuma. It continues on that same line, but with a space in between. Here, the entire 148 psukim are closed. And one possible reason for that is that the Torah itself is reflective and indicative of the status of the Jewish people. Namely, Yaakov is going into galus; He's going into exile. He is one-third of the Jewish nation. Mommy, Daddy, and Yaakov. And therefore, the Torah itself is constricted. The Torah itself shows us that it is saddened by when Yaakov, or in this case here, such a significant part of the Jewish nation, goes into exile. I'd like to focus on the very beginning of the parsha, whereby the Torah tells us, Yaakov leaves Be'er Sheva listening to his mother, who basically said to him, run for your life, because your brother Esav wants to kill you. And he goes to Choran, listening to his father, who directs him to take a wife from one of his uncle Lavan's daughters Leah or Rachel. Now, interestingly, how do we translate the words Vayelech Chorana"? Does it mean that he actually went to Choron or towards Choron? In reality, you could translate it either way. It has a very significant difference as we'll see in a moment. The Torah then tells us in verse 2, literally, he encountered the place, and he slept or spent the night there, because the sun had set. The Talmud in Brachos 26b talks about prayer, one of the three pillars of our uh, tradition, Torah, Avoda, and Gemilus Hasadim, Judaism, rests on these three pillars. And regarding prayer, the Talmud in Brachos 26b tells us there's a basic machlokes between the two Amoroyim. Namely, Rabbi Yosef Rebchanina taught Tfilos Avos Tiknum. The three prayers that we have, Shachris, Mincha, and Ma'ariv, were instituted by the patriarchs. Avraham institutes Shachris, and for each of these, a verse from the book of Bereshis is brought regarding Avram. We are told Avraham Avram baboker. Avram rose early in the morning. El Hamo to the place Asheramadsham that he had prayed before. This is after the destruction of Sodom, and Avram quote goes back for more. This the Talmud attributes to the establishment of Shacharis. Yitzchak established Mincha. As the Torah tells us at the end of Parshas Chayesara, <speaking in Hebrew> Yitzchak went out to meditate and the Talmud explains it's more. It means to pray towards evening, which is the prayer of Mincha. And Yaakov institutes Tfilas Arvis, the evening prayer in our Parsha based upon the puzzle Vayivka Bamako, and he encountered the place, which the Talmud proves has a connotation of prayer. Interestingly, the Talmud gives a second opinion as to where do our prayers come from, and that is the opinion of Rabbi Shua ben Levi, who says that they are kineged to that our prayers correspond to the offerings brought in the Beis namely our Shacharist prayer corresponds to the Korban tomid shel Shachar, the morning sacrifice that was brought on behalf of the entire nation, uh, paid for by the Ha HaShekel, the half Shekel that each and every Jew had to contribute. Every morning there was a Korban tomid, without exception Shabbos Yom Tov Yom Kippur every single day. And, therefore, our Shacharist prayer corresponds to the uh, korban that was brought in the morning. Our Mincha prayer corresponds to the korban that was brought, the Talmud, in the afternoon. Now, Ma'ariv corresponds to, says the Talmud, the evorim and the Pidarim. It refers to, literally, those parts of the animal, the limbs and the fats of the sacrifices that were not consumed during the day on the Mizbeach, on the altar. They were parts intentionally left over for the nighttime, and those parts were brought on the night. I'd like to share with you a very interesting concept, and I urge everybody to make sure that they do not misunderstand the Talmud that I'm quoting. The Gemara in Brachos 27b has a dispute between Reb Gamliel and Rebbe Yoshua as to whether or not the prayer of Ma'ariv, the evening prayer, is chova, is obligatory, or is it rishus, which you would perhaps translate as optional or elective, but that is not the case. Tosvos on the spot immediately says, it certainly doesn't mean that you can choose. I am in the mood, I'm not in the mood to dive in my rib, but if there would be another mitzvah, which would be ovaris, says Tosvos, a mitzvah which had to be done at that time, and otherwise that mitzvah would be lost, then you could perform that mitzvah instead of ma'ariv. In addition, we know that there is no Chazoras hashats, there's no repetition of the shemona esrei at ma'ariv, as we do by shachrus and mincha. And another interesting point, in the morning, if a person came to shul late, the best reason, makes no difference, if he comes into the synagogue and they're about to say the Shemona Esrei, you cannot immediately join with the Tzibor, the congregation. There has to be in the morning, Shachris, Smichus, guula the You have to complete the last blessing after the recitation of the Shema, Baruch ato Hashem Gaal Yisrael, and only then can you say the Shemona Esray? Not so at night time. If you come late to Meirev and they're about to begin the Shemona Esray, you can begin the Shemona Esray immediately with the Tzibor, with the congregation. Now, why might Meirev be treated with a little bit less significance than Shachris and Mincha? And why might it be somewhat short-changed. And I'd like to share one or two possibilities, and I believe a very important lesson emerges therefrom. One reason might very well be that the circumstances that surround Yaakov's praying of myriv are different than the circumstances by Avram and Yitzchak. Regarding Avram and Yitzchak, It's clear from the text that Avram rose up early in the morning to pray and institute Shacharis. Yitzchak went in the afternoon, as we cited earlier, to pray. This is something which they did habitually, regularly. Regarding Yaakov, it is very possible that the Talmud tells us. Vayimech <laughs> Yaakov already had come to Choron. Says the Gemara in Chulin 91b. When he comes to Horon, he realized, Oh my goodness, did I miss the place where my ancestors, father and grandfather, prayed? And therefore, feeling saddened about that realization, God miraculously Brings him back to that place and therefore note the text. The text says the second Pasuk in the Parsha, he encounters the place, Vayol and Sham, and he slept there. Kivu HaShemesh, because the sun set. Rashi picks up on this immediately and says, wait a second, the order should be reversed. Because the sun set, that's why Vayol he slept there. God orchestrated, said Rashi, in quoting the Talmud, that the sun set prematurely. It got dark very quickly earlier than it should have been. Why? Because God wanted Yaakov to sleep there, that he should have that incredible dream of the ladder and the angels on the place where the future Besam Mikdash would be built. And so the first answer why Ma'ariv might be somewhat different than the others is that it chanced upon Yaakov. Yaakov wanted to daven mincha. It turned out to be Miriv. Or one could argue: Wait a second. What are the circumstances of Yaakov's davening Miriv? It is an ace tzara. Yaakov. Is in a time of crisis. Namely, his brother wants to kill him. He's running away from home. His nephew, Alifah strips him of all his wealth. He's going to the unknown. He knows he has to find a wife, but he has nothing to bring, no dowry, no anything with him. And so Yaakov is in a very hard place. And therefore, Yaakov's prayer is a prayer of tzorah. And we don't want to make that necessarily a poster prayer for the future. And therefore, says Rev Hirsch, a very interesting insight. Not only can we say that Avram instituted Shacharis, and Yitzhak instituted Mincha, and Yaakov Mariv, but their very lifestyle reflected these prayers. Avram lived a life of Shacharis. His life was the sun rising. He was successful. God's promises to him came true in his life. Yes, there were challenges and tests, but he lived a life of Shacharis, says Rav Hirsch. And Yitzchak as well lived a bright life. Yes, the sun was setting already or on its descent, but Yitzchak too had much in terms of not leaving Eretz Yisrael, in terms of, yes, there would be continuity of the family business of monotheism. He was a successful man. However, Yaakov lived and portrays a life of Mariv. Yaakov runs away from Esau, has to run from his father-in-law Lavan. Unfortunately, next week we'll read about the problems he has with Dina. And then in two weeks we read about the problems that he has with Yosef. Yaakov is the Gullah's Jew. And therefore, of course Yaakov is going to pray. But maybe our rabbis are showing us that the ideal prayer is not the prayer that a person prays only when they're in trouble just the opposite. Says the Talmud in the first chapter of Mincha. Be especially careful regarding Mincha. You want to know why my friends? Because Mincha is the hardest prayer, especially this time of the year. When is Mincha recited? You're at work. Today it was at 4.40. Amazing. You've got to extricate yourself from what you're doing. Excuse me to your client. Excuse me to the customer. Excuse me from the meeting that you're attending. Pull over on the side of the road. Make sure that it's safe, and you da'vin mincha. Wow! The idea is that when you're in your success mode, in shacharis, when things are going good, in mincha, while things are going good, don't take the credit for yourself. Say thank you to Hashem for that which is going. For too many of us, our prayers are like Yaakov, and Meirev. Namely, oh my goodness, I need, I need, I need, I need. We look upon the Shemona Esrei as a shopping list. Hashem, give me this and give me that. Now the truth of the matter is, the fact that we only turn to Hashem for our needs, that in of itself is the greatest compliment to Him. But the ideal is, don't just look at the part of the Shemona Esrei of the I need, but look at the first bracha, which is Avos? God had a relationship with Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Take their names out and put your names in. Wow! God has a relationship with me, and especially look at the bracha of Modim at the end of the Shemona Esrei, and look what you're saying over there. Thank you, God, Al Chayenu. Thank you for my life, Hamesurim Biodecha. Nishmosenu for my soul, Al Nisecha for the miracles, Shebachol Yomimanu that you give us daily, Al Niflo Secha the one. Tobosecha for the favors. Shebacholais erev at night, voker in the morning, tzoraim in the afternoon. Try to count and stop when you say modim next time, and say Hashem, thank you for the winking of your eye that you gave to me throughout the day. Wow, that is a bit of a different focus. So remember. The Rambam says in Hechos Tfilah, chapter 1, Nalokh there's no question about it, that while halachically, Myriv might be called Rishus, says the Rambam that the Jewish community, the Jewish world, across all borders, Ashkenaz Fai, Hasidim Isnagdim, everybody, has accepted Meirev as an obligatory prayer. That isn't the idea. But the message we're getting this morning is a very true one, I believe. Yaakov prayed at a time of Tzorah. And we are to pray not only because there is no atheist in the foxhole, but we are to pray when times are good. And thank you, Hashem, for all the good that you do for us. Shabbat Shalom! too old.
3: I <laughs> shall i Shabbos ha Malko, el taych, boteichem liyoniach biracha, bichah, moish voseichem lois asu melacha, binaichem u binaichem meverigam shifcha, J.M. in. the AM.
0: In its entirety, as we promised after we played part of it earlier. J.M. and the AM, if you missed any of my conversation with Malcolm Homeline a couple of things. First of all, there will be an archive later this morning. Make sure to head to the archive section of org. Also, keep in mind that there is a podcast of the weekly update. Uh, Nahum Siegel with Malcolm homeline Weekly update podcast. Go to the news section of org. You'll see how you can sign up to have that podcast delivered straight to your device on a weekly basis. Community Calendar Online has a whole bunch of uh, different material, including the big Deer sold-out Shabbos, which is going on in Somerset, New Jersey. Remember, tomorrow night, right after Abdullah Deer Shoe hits the airwaves with us at jmtheam.org. If you tune into our stream right after Shabbos, all the inspiring words of the Motzei Shabbos Saturday Night Deershoe program, plus the music of Isaac Honig, plus the debut of Deer Shoe's Achenu album. It's all going to be happening tomorrow night between Avdallah and and 8 p.m. on our stream at org. If you can't head to the stream, head to your phone at 212 419 4241. 212 419 4241. Naomi Nachman with Table for Two coming up in just eight minutes from now on our stream at jamandam.org. The. Um, Amazing Erev Shabbos music mix coming up starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time all the way until Candle lighting. A reminder, we're now on Standard Time, Candle Lighting at 4.24 on this Erev Shabbos. 4.24 Candle lighting Time on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Svayetzeh. Robert Katz will be in on Monday on Veterans Day. We uh, congratulate those who are completing Mesechus Shkullim tomorrow and beginning Meseches Yoma in the study of Dafyomi. Congratulations to you. Head to our community calendar section of jmnam.org. Professor Mark Shapiro's appearance tomorrow night at the Kingsway Jewish Center in Brooklyn is up there. Congregation Talmud Torah Flatbush has a program tomorrow night. It's up there. The Klezmer Ensemble at the uh, Smoky Joe's Kosher Barbecue. In Bergen County, that's up there. There's a lot of stuff on our community calendar, which you'll find if you head to the community calendar section of jmnam.org. I also remind you that everybody Goldwasser is at the Young Usual of Midwood tonight. He speaks tonight at the Young Israel of Midwood. And um, and um, again, the Deer Shoe event tomorrow night, right after Shabbos. That'll be a... Um, that'll be uh, heading that'll be hitting the uh, the web waves at jmnam.org beginning right after Havdallah, all the way until 8 p.m. with very inspiring speeches the music of Isaac Honig and the debut of the brand new Achenu CD coming out from Deershoe uh, If you can't uh, listen to it on the web of course we've got our listen line at 212-419-4241. up again to the Stanskis. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Joseph Stansky, they are being honored by our Ravim tomorrow night up in Rockland County. We wish them and all the uh, couples who are being recognized tomorrow evening a very special mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. And Yaakov Avraham and Farak a happy birthday to you. Yaakov Avraham and Farak we say happy birthday from all of us here at JM in the AM. It is time to say good Shabbos. Journeys is on. This is JM in the AM. brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Well, it seems official. I just confirmed with Kaylee that I will be narrating the documentary about her life. As much as people like Gaylord, I bet, are going to beg her to uh, be the one to be the voice behind this amazing story. I have just confirmed it with her. And she is not one to go back on her word. So I'm going to start practicing over the weekend. Maybe I'll take Monday off, (laughs) which I am. (laughs) Roberts here Monday on Veterans Day, everybody. Don't forget tomorrow night, Saturday night, Seagull at 10 o'clock on the stream with Avrami. Uh, From Havdullah until 8 o'clock, ZK is going to preside over the Big Deer Shoe program, which we're going to have on the stream tomorrow night on jmvm.org. Enjoy and be inspired. And Sunday, of course, Matis has JM Sunday. Have a great Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Don't forget the early candle lighting time. Until next week, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.